Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Well, we are going to this morning, I talked to a few of you this morning, um, uh, you know, we are a church that loves the Word of God, aren't we? We love to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and just dig into the Word of God, not just, uh, not just study the surface layer, but get into the text and discover that what the ancient rabbis called the remez layer, the deeper truths that are in the, in the Word of God, right? Well, we're, we're, we're jumping off of our typical format of chapter by chapter, verse by verse, to do a study on spiritual warfare, and we started that last week, really the last two weeks. But today we're going to continue that conversation that we've been having. Considering the times that we are living in, right? Considering the times that we're living in, I can't think of a more relevant subject matter than spiritual warfare. Do this whole COVID-19 thing. Or I probably shouldn't have said that. We just got censored. Uh, I'm going to get a warning. Sensitive, Right? <laughs> But through this whole lockdown, we'll say that, the lockdown, the epidemic thing, the shutdown, many people have come face to face with what the world loves to call their demons, right? Truly. Their immaturity, perhaps, you could say it that way, or their brokenness, or their insecurity. A lot of people have come face to face with their pain, their emotional instability, perhaps, uncertainty, perhaps uncertainty that they're usually able to run from or ignore, or ignore with their busy schedule, right? And that schedule gets shut down and you don't have so many things to distract you, all of a sudden you start noticing a bunch of other things in your life or in your heart. Through this crisis, indeed, Satan and his minions have seized the opportunity to stir up dissent stir up emotional instability, as I've said, in an attempt really to strike at the heart of our families. To strike at the heart of our families and thus to strike at the heart of God. And many times I've said, you know, if Satan can't get to you, look out, he's going to come for your wife, right? Or if he can't come for your, get to your wife, he's going to come for your kids, Satan loves to mess with our kids because don't we hold our children nearest and dearest in our heart? Any wonder why this, there's a, a global attack on children? I think children are probably more under, under attack globally than even adults are. Mm. You know, Christianity today is the most persecuted religion in the world, but children, is the, they're the most persecuted people group in the world. Why? Because it strikes it right at the heart of us. Right at the heart. Well, it's no different in regards to God. Obviously, uh, obviously, Satan can't get to God, right? So he comes after God's kids to strike at the heart of God because his kids have his heart and you have his heart. Didn't we see that as we studied through Ephesians, especially those first three verses? Beloved, we see Jesus talking to the little ones. Oh, he loved to let the children come, didn't he? Let the children come. 
fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, listen to me this morning. We have got to engage the enemy. We have got to engage the enemy for the sake of our father's heart, if not our own. For the sake of his heart, whether you're fighting Satan or not, he's fighting you. We said that last week, didn't we? Satan is trying to take us out of the game. And it sure looks like he's winning, doesn't it? Look like he's winning? A shocking poll taken of churchgoers, hear me now, this poll was taken of churchgoers in October of 2017, tells us this. Can I see this graphic, our first graphic of the morning? Churchgoers, have you heard of the Great Commission? Show of hands in this room, who's heard of the Great Commission? The Great Commission, I'll tell you what the Great Commission is, is go, go and spread the gospel to all the world. Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and share the gospel, spread the gospel across the world. Well, churchgoers, have you heard of the Great Commission? 51% of people polled who regularly attend church, not just because a lot of people say they're Christians, but they don't even go to church, right? Churchgoers, 51% of churchgoers in the United States don't even know what the Great Commission is. Have you heard of it? And the answer was no. 25%, yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning of what it is. And 6%, well, I'm not sure. And 17% say yes, they have and mean it. In other words, 77% of churchgoers either don't know what the commission is or can't remember what it is. This is a problem. How did this happen? We are to be the forerunners of biblical principles in our culture. Do you know that? Do you accept that, Life Story Church? To be the forerunner of biblical principles in our culture. We are meant to boldly encounter the culture of the day with the truth. Somebody say amen. Guess what? The truth divides. The truth offends. Remember, Jesus said, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I bring a sword. Mm. In the American church today, the, the American church today, roughly half of the churches did not add one person due to conversion growth last year. That means... It takes the effort of the average church size in this country is 85 people, by the way. So we're doing all right. Amen? Amen. That means it takes the effort of 85 Christians working together for one year to just produce one convert. Why are these numbers so bad? Well, I'll tell you why. Most Christians... Don't talk about Jesus with people they don't know are already Christians. And among those not openly talking about Jesus, about 31% admit, admit the reason they don't is because the tension likely to be felt talking about religion or politics makes them too uncomfortable. You realize what that means? It means if 77% of the church doesn't realize what the commission is, 
and 31% of the church is too uncomfortable to talk about Jesus, where does that leave you? Where does that leave you? Who is talking to the lost about Jesus in that case? Are we just hoping that they'll stumble randomly into a church on Sunday? Or surf across this message online, perhaps, and get saved? Tom Clegg wrote this. He said this. Can we see this quote? He said, churches are going out of business because they refuse to change. Any church that doesn't shift from ministry as status quo, or country club church, I like to call it, to ministry as a mission outpost will die or become hopelessly irrelevant. 3,700 churches per year are closing in this country, and half of them are startup churches. Do you know who grows a church? I know you know this because we are, I gave you this answer last week, right? I'll give you a clue. It isn't the pastor that grows a church, though I'm sure it helps to have a good pastor, right? Hopefully. It's you. It's you who grows the church. And boy, you guys are doing a great job of that, I've got to tell you. I love seeing all the new faces in here every week. And then I offend them and, you know, run them off. (laughs) I'm teasing, I'm teasing. (laughs) Did you know, get this, we're having some fun with statistics this morning. The USA, get this, the United States of America is actually globally the third largest mission field in the world with 195 million unchurched people. Largest mission field in the world, number one, China. Number two is India. Number three, the United States of America, right here at home. You want to go on a mission, you're living in the third largest mission field in the world. We need to be equipped. I've said it before. I believe the number one job that a pastor has is to equip the saints Equip the believers so when you get out there in the world in your realm of influence, you are armed and ready. What kind of church are we leaving for our children? Especially as parents, we need to be asking ourselves this question. What kind of church are we leaving for our children? What will the church look like in 20 years If we're still here, let me throw that caveat in there. (laughs) If we don't change what we're doing, it's going to continue on the same course. Now, can I see this next graphic? Let's see this next graphic. U.S. Religions Identity uh, Survey taken in uh, 2018. Sorry, Chuck, I kicked you. Look at these different groups, Christian and Catholic groups over these different generations from elders to boomers to Generation X. What stands out to me is you look at all the way from uh, uh, the, the groups of atheist, agnostic, and none of these growing and growing and growing and growing. Look at Generation Z all the way up or other faith. That's not a good trend for us to be on, church. It's not a good trend for us to be on. It's time to get serious because you know what? War isn't recess. And you are in a spiritual war, whether you know it or not. War isn't recess, and it isn't supposed to be fun or comfortable. It isn't. 
when it comes to, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about Jesus because it's uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Get used to uncomfortable, okay? I remember when I first, uh, first began pastoring, I really, you know, other than when I was running a call center and I'd have, have to have board meetings and do presentations and stuff like that, I never really did a ton of public speaking like this. But I actually did better being able to speak like this in front of people with my notes and everything than I did in a small group. And I'd, so I'd have a Sunday night Bible study and we'd go over some questions of the, of the day. And I found myself right out of the gate is I was nervous. So I would ask a question to, the, to everybody. And when nobody would respond, immediately the silence was just terrifying to me. So I would just answer the question right away. And, I, and it wasn't but a few weeks in, and I realized I'm just basically preaching my sermon again. So I had to get used to being uncomfortable. I'd ask a question, I'd, and I would just literally say, and even though I was uncomfortable, I'd say, I'm good to just sit here in silence if you guys are. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet until somebody wants to share or offer something. And it was really awkward, just like this. But I had to get used to being uncomfortable. We need to get used to being uncomfortable and having uncomfortable conversations. And saying, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that he is the only way to salvation. And, I'm comf- and you know what? You might not be comfortable hearing this, but <laughs> you're going to spend eternity somewhere. It's all about location, 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 right? How many of us would be comfortable telling our unsaved friends that, that look, buddy, you're going to go to hell if you don't. I mean, you need to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Would we be comfortable telling our unsaved friends that? Or would we be worried that they're going to be offended? Guys, this is for keeps. And literally... I say, where is the church going to be in 20 years? I think Ron is closer to, to uh, reality than I was thinking about the church in 20 years. I think that Jesus Christ may be coming back anytime now. Amen? We look at what's happening in the world. It looks like the dominoes are being set up for the seven-year tribulation of Revelation to go anytime. If the church were just to be removed right now, it looks like they're ready to go. All the systems are in place. It sure does look that way to me. But uh, we've got to get serious, guys. We've got to be ready to engage the enemy before we hit the front lines, okay? So this is about equipping. Like I said, because you are on the front lines, whether you like it or not, and we can't shrink back. We have to stand. We have to stand at the uh, stand against the evil that is encroaching on our country right now. We have to. Are you guys ready to stand? Let me ask you that again. See if you. Are you guys ready to stand? Yeah. All right. You know, I, I saw something happen this week. You guys probably saw it too. Can I see this picture? Let me. Did you guys see what happened this week with at the Williamson County School Board meeting? Amen. Let me tell you this, Satan is encroaching on our children. He's encroaching into the school system. And it was pretty cool to see a bunch of Christians war in the spirit. And make no mistake, that's what they were doing when they were standing up against demonic, demonic communism that's trying to infect our children, brainwash our children 
and steal our country from us, our freedom and liberty from us. Hmm. So I think the time is right. I think the time is right that the church stands up and it re-engages the enemy, re-engages the commission, re-engages our purpose. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. He didn't come to give you some good advice for living, right? He didn't come just to be a good example that you can try to mirror your life after and fail, try. He did a lot of things. (laughs) The number one thing that he did was he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Actually, I'll prove it to you. Here it is, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to what? Seek and to save the lost. Our mission is to seek and to save the lost because time's almost up. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. I love this, uh, the message translation. I've been reading that a lot lately again. I just... I would love to read a scripture in the context that I normally love to study in the New King James, but then I'll go read it in the message, and a lot of times it just says it in such a cool way. Message, uh, uh, chapter, Matthew 9, verse 12 reads, Jesus overhearing shot back. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Oh, ah, the church looks bad now, doesn't it? To recruit and to train, not coddle the saved. It's time to get out there. It's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to stand. We as Christians need to realize everything is not all about us or our bubble, okay? The enemy sure is creeping into our bubbles, though, isn't he? I wonder how far this will go before Christians wake up. You know? Really. The church needs to be red-pilled, as they say. Amen? You guys know what that means, right? You've seen the movie The Matrix, right? And uh, Morpheus is standing there before Neo, and he's got a red pill in his hand and a blue pill in his hand. He said, hey, take the blue pill, and you can just go on. Ignorance is bliss. Everyone's having a blizzard, right? Have fun. Or you can take the red pill, and it will be unpleasant, but it'll be the truth, right? The church needs to be red-pilled. God wants us to reach out. He doesn't want us just focusing on ourselves. Today is for you. You get that? Sunday is for you. Sunday isn't just like, that's, my, that's, that's how I do ministry, is Sunday, okay? No, Sunday is when we all get together and we, we iron sharpens iron and we edify each other and we encourage each other. Yes, people get saved at church, that's great, but you know where the real ministry happens? It's not Sunday. It's in your realm of influence throughout the entire week. We've got to shift our minds to that understanding, okay? Yes, you have unsaved friends or unchurched friends. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. Do that, okay? They'll hear the word of God. They'll hear the truth. But more importantly than even inviting them to church is you sharing Jesus Christ, your witness of what he has done for you 
to them. You're, you're proclaiming your faith that he is who the word of God says he is and saying, look what he's done for my life. That's what it's about, guys. Charles Finney, one of my favorite uh, guys uh, to, to study of the 1800s, famous pastor in the 1800s, Charles Finney said this, Christians are more to blame for not living the life and having a revival than the lost are for not being saved. Because we have the red pill, don't we? We have the truth. So in last week's, um, last week we studied Ephesians 6. Actually, the last two weeks we studied Ephesians 6. And then as I was studying and I was going back and forth through the message, and I mean, I think there's, a, there's some cool stuff for us. So I want to spend... the. Uh, a good part of the rest of our time reading through that, and then I'm going to uh, read it in the message version, and then we're going to hit some bullet points so you note takers are going to be happy. All right, we've got some application points. Let's read Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. I'm going to read the NIV translation, it's what most are familiar with, and we, we used the King James ver- or New King James last week. So, finally, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on what? The full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes so that you can. Because if you don't, you can't, right? For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And there are powers in this dark world, church against spiritual forces of evil, and there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always, keeping, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So good. Now let me read you the message version. Verse uh, 10 through 18 in the message translation. And that about wraps it up. <laughs> I love it. That about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. Do you get it, guys? So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws throws your way. Verse 12. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. Do you get that? This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Verse 13, be prepared. You are up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Am I right? 
Is Paul right? Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, and I love that, when it is all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. I just, I get this visual. You ever seen the movie Gladiators? You know? And the Roman army goes in and they conquer Germania and the war is over. And they all say, Roma, Victor! All the warriors are shouting, that's y'all. All right? That's the shouting. All over but the shouting, you will be on your feet. Verse 14, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. Do you know that? In the same way, verse 18, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray hard and long, church. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. That's good, isn't it? So to that point, engaging the enemy. Can we see our first point this morning? Point number one, how to engage the enemy. Take notice. First things first. There is a war that goes on all the time, all around you. If only you had spirit eyes to see the supernatural all around us at this very moment. Or, or perhaps demonic beings following around certain leaders of our nation at all times. We experience it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A week. We must realize that we are in that war. Verse 12 has told us, he said, verse 12 said, for our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, right? Spiritual forces, forces of nature in the heavenly realms. This is no afternoon athletic contest here, people. We'll walk away from and forget about it in a couple hours. This is for keeps, a life or death, fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. John chapter 10, verse 10 reads as such. He says that the thief comes to kill, to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The enemy wants to kill you if he can. Do you understand that? That's for real. I'll never forget, I was once driving home late night. I, was, I lived down a windy road. I'd worked late at the restaurant, and I'm driving home, and I just got this overwhelm, overwhelming feeling. I'll never be able to explain it other than it was supernatural and the Holy Spirit. And I just felt so strongly, Satan wants to kill you. And I it felt it so strong. I was like, okay, I'm going to slow down. I'm looking for deer, looking for falling trees. Striking lightning even? I don't know. Well, maybe not. But he wants to destroy your family too. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your reputation, your relationships. So take notice. Take notice. We must see through eyes of faith. Spirit eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us that the righteous live by faith not sight. Even when I don't see it, you're working, right? Even when I don't feel it. 
It's a good song, man. It's going to keep going. You have to see what's going on here. Many, many can feel that there's more going on behind the scenes with this COVID-19 stuff. More than meets the eye. And you're right. There's no way around it at this point. The agents of darkness are on the march. So will you ride out to meet them? It's really come to that. Isn't that wild? Second Kings, let me tell you a story real quick here. Let's read Second Kings 6, 8 through 23. I'm going to use the scripture to make this point. Verse 8, when the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants, my camp will be at such and such a place. Verse 9, but the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, be careful passing by this place for the Arameans are going down there. Verse 10, consequently, the king of Israel sent word to the place and the man of God, that the man of God told him about. The man of God repeatedly warned the king so the king would be on his guard. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded of them, tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel. Verse 12, one of his servants said, no one, my lord, no one, my lord, the king. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak, in your bedroom. Wow. So the king said, go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. When he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded, by, surrounded the city. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early, Elisha's servant, got up early, and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? And Elisha said, just make me some coffee. No. <laughs> Elisha said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Woo! When the Arameans came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, please strike this nation with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to Elisha's word. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Verse 20, when they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open these men's eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were in the middle of Samaria. Verse 21, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, should I kill them? Should I kill them, my father? And Elisha re replied, don't, don't kill them. Do you kill those you have captured with your sword or your bow? set food and water in front of them so that they may eat, drink, and go to their master. So he prepared a big feast for them, verse 23. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away 
and they went to their master, the Aramean raiders did not come into Israel's land again. If you could see in the spirit realm, church, what God has lined up for us, it would change your life. It would change your life. All around us are people who don't know God. They completely surround us. I know you see that. The culture war might look bleak. These stats don't look good, right? But God is going to give us the anointing to lead some of them to the Savior. Those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. I pray that the Lord will open your eyes. The mountain is covered with horses and chariots all around you. Don't fear. You don't need to be uncomfortable. Get used to being uncomfortable until you're comfortable with it. Amen? You are the tool. You are the tool that the Lord has chosen to use at this point in history. Man, what an honor we have. I saw this picture uh, online yesterday. I thought it was appropriate. This is what is really going on. Can we see this? Everyone's afraid of the shark, but you see all the little fish afraid of the shark? When they come together, they eat the shark, don't they? Hmm. That shark might look mean, but there are more. There are more with us. Point two. We've got to take time to prepare. That's what we do here, right? We take time to prepare. You know, I... The first Broncos game, preseason game, was yesterday. So everybody knows that I'm probably getting excited, right? Football season's coming. But it's the age-old analogy. They've been practicing, like, since the spring for that game yesterday, right? Taking time to prepare, you know? Verse 18, uh, pray in the Spirit on all all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for the lord's people be alert okay prayer will help us be alert if you've got to set a timer on your phone to get you praying at different times throughout the day go for it all right don't feel bad they sound a horn in arab countries right time to pray everybody we knew you'd forget so you know Take time, to, take time to notice other people, by the way, as well. Pray with other people, all right? When others are having a difficult time, go to battle with them, with one another. And I love, I love hearing stories of when our church body are having fellowship together uh, apart from planned events. I just, it always makes my heart smile when I hear that's going on. Take time to notice others. And know your enemy. Last week I shared a quote. Uh, a quote, know your enemy, know his sword, right? So in regards to taking time to prepare, well, next week, next week, we're going to, uh, we're going to take some time to prepare and we're going to do a deep dive within this series of spiritual warfare. Um, 
we're going to meet the enemy up close and personal and do a deep study into angels and demons next week. Uh, actually, was working on it last night, and I was so excited that I was up till 2 in the morning. So we're going to do an in-depth study of, all right, so we're fighting a spiritual battle. We're battling demonic forces. What, what does this really look like? Well, we can, there's a lot we can know okay, about that. So make sure you're here next Sunday. Uh, this is the biggest study I've ever done on angels and demons, and we'll take some time to prepare in that way next week. Third point, last point I've got for you this morning. Take action. Take action. We're seeing it all around. The fish are gathering together. People are standing up, right? We're seeing it at the school board meetings. It's time to take action. This is a spiritual war, so we must put on the full armor of God. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. The message translation said, take all the help that you can get, right? Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. This armor helps us stand strong and not get wounded in battle, okay? Know the weapon of God's people. Anybody know what that is? What's the weapon of God's people? It's the word of truth. The word of truth. Truth cuts through lies and deception. Mm. Don't just be a spectator. Learn to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Reads, Paul says to the Galatians, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Same passage in the message translation. My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Amen? Animated, I love that. Motivated. I'm telling you when, you, when you take the red pill and you see the truth, it's motivating. It's motivating. Amen? Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfish, selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. And isn't that the truth? Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. A lot of the church needs to hear this. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Woo! That'll preach. God will have His way if you stand up for and on His Word, church. He will have His way. As hard as it might be, if you stand, He will have His way. He's just looking for someone to stand. What side will you stand on? God will use you to lead other people into a real encounter with him. Do you know that? You know, a real, <clears throat> a real encounter with God? You know what that is? It can't be ginned up with the latest technology. It can't be uh, 
ginned up by the latest worship songs even. Hmm? The latest ministry trends. Or, and it can't be forced by trying to force an encounter or by trying to make it happen by manipulating emotions in the church. It's time to take action. Last scripture for you today, and we'll close. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty. Remember this as you go, church. They are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I tell you what, there's something to that that we're going to talk about next week too, because ultimately that is the root of satanic religion. Satan wanted to be exalted on the throne of God above God. And that one thing, that one root, He's tried to bleed it, that into the hearts of men since the beginning of time, since the fall in the garden. At the end of the day, what did, why did Eve bite the apple? Well, you'll be like God. And in every other false religion, it always comes down to that ultimately. Even in, even in uh, legalistic churches that teach bad doctrine of, well, yeah, you got saved, but now you got to be a good person if you want to stay saved, Right? Faith plus works equals salvation, and I'll teach. Why? Because when you do the works, then you get some of the glory. Stop trying to take God's glory. It's his. Now, you go be a good person now because it's a good thing to do, and you're grateful that he saved you for free. Amen? Let me give you that last verse in the message, and we'll close. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. Isn't that the truth? Isn't it funny how they accuse you of the thing that they're doing? Right? Hmm. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. You get that? We don't, we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or for manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entirely, massively corrupt culture. Amen? Or cabal, one might say, that needs to be brought to its knees. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. You hear that? Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. That's pretty good, huh? We'll close there today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, we'll invite Lee up. 
That about wraps it up. That's right. Oh, church, Jesus loves you so much. I just feel it in my heart so much. He loves you guys. You're his children. You're his. And it's not an accident that you're here today in this church, in this life, in this time of history. It is not an accident. And he has equipped you with everything that you need to stand for him. To bring truth into your realm of influence. To bring the gospel that saves to those who are lost among you. And he would have it that none be lost. And you're the tool that he has chosen to use at your job. You are the tool he has chosen to use in your family. You are the tool he has chosen to use in your complete realm of influence to simply bear witness to what he has done for you, how he has revealed himself to you, who you know him to be, to share the truth of the word and the liberty that is the gospel of grace, the love that is within the person of Jesus Christ, the mercy, the kindness. We need to engage the enemy to take down that massively corrupt culture. It's coming for our kids. It's on the march. Will you stand? Every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, if you want to declare today, I will stand. Whether you have been or haven't been, raise your hand. Confess it to the Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus, we will stand. If you're here this morning, you can put your hands down. If you're here this morning, perhaps the Lord is bringing conviction to your heart. Maybe you haven't been standing. Maybe you haven't even been engaged at all or seeing things for what they are and the Lord is waking you up, I want to pray especially for you this morning. Just raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord sees your heart and he's going to give you every tool that you need. A spirit of boldness come upon you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your kindness, your love, your mercy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us spiritually every tool that we need. And, and we don't wage war as the world does, but with, by the truth of the word of God and in the spirit, Lord, we put on the armor of God that we would be able to stand in this, in this day of evil, God. That you would have us be the light in the dark. Lord Jesus, strengthen your people. Equip your people. Embolden your people. May a spirit of boldness fall on this fellowship, Lord, on your people and everybody watching this morning. A spirit of boldness fall upon your people to engage the enemy and stand. Lord Jesus, we pray for our country. We pray for our schools, Lord Jesus. We pray for the children in our school system, Lord, that the enemy would not have his way. He would not bring abuse upon the children, Lord Jesus. 
Give your people a boldness to stand and to speak truth boldly and loudly, Lord Jesus. Lord God, go before us and fight for us, Lord, we ask. Lord Jesus, preserve this nation until you come, Lord Jesus. Preserve this liberty that you yourself have given us in this nation, God, until you would come, Lord. And we pray you would continue to raise up leaders to be bold and to stand and speak the truth of the word of God to the enemy. We pray for the lost, Lord Jesus, that you would soften their hearts and put them in our paths, Lord Jesus. We pray for family members that don't know you, Father, that are being deceived, Lord Jesus. Friends that are being deceived, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would give us the words to speak, Father, that could lead them to you or best show them who you truly are and how good your love is. Oh, we thank you in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. I want us to say one prayer out loud. We always do it. I've got two minutes, so we never want to close a service without giving somebody an opportunity to give their heart to Jesus, okay? So let's say this out loud. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus or you want to say a prayer of recommittal, now's the time. And I just ask that you'd come talk to me about it afterwards so I can pray with you personally, okay? Let's pray, church. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. That you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live, I live. Come into my heart and make me new. Walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Pour out his grace and favor upon you. And may you prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.